The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody, welcome in to our Monday edition of the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. And I think the technical term for what we have today is a football-y day. <laughs> Defensive coordinator Brad White uh, will join us. Uh, Jamin Davis, who is preparing for the upcoming U.K. Pro Day on Wednesday in the NFL Draft, where a lot of projections now have him going in the first round. And Larry Vaught uh, had a uh, conflict tomorrow, so we'll uh, move Larry's segment to today's show. So that's our guest lineup as we jump into the Wildcat news of the day. Start with the NCAA tournament, and only one SEC team is left after Alabama was knocked out last night by UCLA in overtime. Johnny Juzang, the former Wildcat, moves on uh, to the Elite Eight and a matchup with Michigan. Uh, Bama will have uh, nightmares about its free throw shooting. I think it was 10 of, of 25. Uh, also, they got a couple of tough calls down the stretch. I thought there was one play where UCLA got a key bucket uh, late in uh, regulation that uh, could have uh, easily been a charging call against the UCLA player who drove and dished. But uh, Alabama's free throw shooting was ultimately what did them in. And so Bama's season comes to an end. And uh, Arkansas plays Baylor tonight. And I think we're going to end up for all of the craziness of the NCAA tournament, two double-digit seeds in the Elite Eight. I think we're going to end up with three ones and a two in the Final Four. I think uh, Gonzaga, Michigan um, will be there. Uh, Baylor, although Arkansas is Give them a shot, but I think Baylor probably advances, and I think Houston advances. So it'll end up looking very chalky at the Final Four after a very uh, bumpy ride along the way for a lot of brackets. Jacob Toppin, to no one's surprise, confirmed that he is returning for a second season with the Wildcats. Uh, That news coming out yesterday. And um, Mike Pratt, uh, if you're a regular listener to this program, you know is uh, very high on the upside of Jacob and uh, Lance Ware as well for next season for Kentucky. Uh, one note, personnel-wise, that came out of the uh, news conference that Mark Stoops did after the Saturday practice is that Nasir Watkins has not been able to get back on the practice field yet. So um, Kentucky is uh, going to be obviously be looking at other guys at that uh, tackle slot that they need to fill on the right side. And uh, Nasir is a guy I was hoping could get back into the mix. but And maybe he will by the fall, but he's going to obviously be behind if he's not out there this spring. Uh, U.K. baseball sweeps Auburn. They win their first two SEC series. They took two or three from Missouri the weekend before, now sweeping Auburn. So they're 5-1 and one in the SEC, and it's the first time since 2017 that they won their first two conference series. Softball beat Alabama yesterday, number two, number seven, Kentucky over number four, Bama, 4-2. to two. The rubber match of this series comes up tonight at 7 Eastern at John Crop Stadium over on the U.K. campus. Uh, Kenny Payne. Uh, kind of a surprise here, said no to DePaul. He's going to stay with his uh, role as an assistant with the New York Knicks. And uh, condolences to the family of Howard Schnellenberger, the uh, former U.K. All-American, U.K. Hall of Famer, 
uh, UK assistant coach. He was on that legendary staff that uh, Blanton Collier had in the early 60s. Uh, he brought uh, Miami football back from uh, near extinction. Same at U of L. And uh, he passed away at the age of 87. Uh, certainly a dynamic personality. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, Coach Nellenberger when Larry Vaught joins us. Right now, we need to get to a break. And we'll come back and hear from UK defensive coordinator Brad White on our Monday edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Out in uh, Palomar and Hamburgers at the Palomar location for breakfast on Saturday with a buddy of mine. And uh, nice, uh, nice to see all the folks out there. Nice to see uh, all the businesses coming back to life. Check out Wild Eggs for breakfast, brunch, or lunch in either of the two Lexington locations. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Monday edition of the Leach Report. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on UK Defensive Coordinator Brad White to talk a little bit about how things are going through this part of spring practice. And so, Coach White, let's just uh, start there. What do you uh, like? And is there anything you don't like about what you're seeing on the practice field? Well, first thing. What I like, love the energy. I mean, there's just a real uh, high level of competitiveness right now, not just defensively, but offensively, you know, just uh, a good number of back and forth uh, guys taking care of each other, but making really competitive plays, uh, both at the line of scrimmage and then when the ball's in the air. So that's always good to see. You know, you never want to have to worry about coaching effort or intensity or energy. So, started off well there so far through these first six you know things you know that we that we need to continue to improve on you know there's there's still some things that in in either basic run fits or coverages you know that that will make mistakes and that's why you practice uh but we have to get those cleaned up because um you know we can't be allowing explosive plays that's one of the things i think that we've done uh pretty well over the last couple of years is limit those explosives um and it allows you to play uh you know, if nothing else, allows you put the ball down and play again. You know, you give up a, a, a really big play uh, nine times out of ten. Drives that have either a defensive penalty or an explosive play and then points. So I uh, need to continue to clean those up throughout spring and, you know, into fall camp. But, uh, again, really pleased with the energy and the, and the competitiveness of guys, guys understanding that, hey, every job's open uh, and they're practicing like it. Let's talk a little bit about some of the individuals. Uh, let me start with Mark Juan McCall. It seems to be there's quite a, a good buzz about uh, how he has uh, stepped up his effort and uh, gotten himself in better shape, et cetera. What are you seeing? Yeah, you know, again, he, he's a guy that has a chance to be a dominant player for us. But what it comes down to, it comes down to consistency. And it comes down to doing it day in and day out, day in and day out. And uh, through spring so far, he's shown, uh, you know, a better consistency uh, than we've seen in the past. But, you know, two weeks doesn't make it. It's got to be stacked week on week on week on week. So uh, Mark Juan knows that. And, again, we're, we're encouraged by the progress, encouraged by the leadership, uh, you know, his disruptiveness there in the middle. Uh, but he needs to, we need to stack days and weeks. When you started last year, you had a very highly touted group of young defensive linemen, Justin Rogers, uh, Oxendine, etc. Uh, how are those guys developing? They're coming along. I think they've taken a big step for them from 
when they first came in last summer to now, you know, from a technical aspect, you know, their, their footwork, you know, just to be blunt, their footwork was real poor, you know, last year. And it was, it was, it's new. It's difficult. You know, in, in high school, you know, big guys like that can just dominate on pure size, girth, strength. Um, but now when you get up to this level and everybody's big and strong, now you have to be technically sound and you have to win with your feet and you have to win with hand placement. Um, and they're going to be downs that, you know, that those big heavy hands they have and the, and the, the stoutness that they play with, uh, they're going to be able to dig out of a bad down or some bad footwork. But on a down in, down out basis, you can't just rely on that. And, uh, so, you know, from a technical standpoint, they've taken leaps and bounds from where they were, you know, at the start of fall camp through the sea. I thought by the end of the season, their footwork was starting to improve. Um, but now through six practices, you know, we're, we're getting there. We're not anywhere close to where we need to be, but they, when they make a bad step or they don't make the trip on a stunt, uh, they understand what they did wrong. And their understanding of the playbook is is much deeper right now. On that second line, you lost a couple of really key players in Jamin and uh, Boogie Watson. Who's stepping up in those spots? Well, you know that's obviously uh, you know a big area for us uh, is to to find guys that can fill those spots. Obviously, Jordan Wright has played a significant number of snaps for us at outside linebacker, and you know, going to need him to uh, really be a leader in that room. And so far through six practices, uh, has been, you know, a very, you know, solid player. Uh, you know, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now, uh, which is good. When, when Jordan Wright plays with confidence, good things happen. Now, with obviously with J.J.'s injury and him going through rehab, you know, we, we need another outside linebacker to step up. And right now, you know, we're leaning heavy on K.D., you know, KD's got to step up and be a contributor this year. Uh, he's he's shown to do some good things. You know, some things that we still have to clean up. You know, with his eyes and you know when he makes contact. And uh, but he's got twitch and strength to him. He's shown a uh, a more a willingness to really put the effort in right now. You know, outside just being on the field, but he's putting it in the classroom. You can tell that he's studying the playbook longer and more by himself which he needs to do um you know from an inside perspective obviously we're going to count on deandre big time and uh he's he's a leader of not just that group but of our defense uh so we need him to to really pull these guys and he's really taking that personally he's really trying to pull these young guys the Derek jacksons the um the jared casey's uh you know and luke you know just arriving here you know for Everything our inside backers have to do, we, we put a lot on their plate. Um, you know, for Luke just coming in, you know, mid-year, you know, he's starting to digest it. You know, still plenty of mistakes and things that we got to clean up, but uh, there's no harder working group, you know, probably, and I'm not just talking on the field, I'm talking off, getting together, studying film, talking about things than that inside backer group. How's J.J. Weaver coming along with his rehab? It's going solid. And we just need to, you know, how, how that goes. It's such a, a long, uh, long-term rehab that, you know, you, it's hard to get, you know, you got to temper your excitement. Uh, but, you know, as it is, he's, he's on pace 
um, and you know, knock on wood, uh, we stay with no setbacks, and uh, you know, we'll see where that comes here, uh, you know, come fall. And in the back end of the defense, you got a lot of uh, veteran guys in the safety spots, but some turnover at the corner position. So, how are your corners performing this spring? You know what? I they're competitive. Like that's it's not perfect, but it's competitive, and I think that's that's a key. When you play out there on the edge, you have to play with an edge, and you can't play scared. You can't play worried about getting beat over the top. When a ball's in the air, you've got to go make it. Um, and we've gotten our hands on quite a few balls uh, so far. Um, now, I do think we need to squeeze some of them more, you know, because they need to be ours. If we got a chance to not just knock it down but pick it, we need to pick it. But, you know, there's some still, obviously, like any other position, you know, we need to be technically uh, sound. But I, I like the competitiveness out there. And nobody's taking it down for granted. Uh, and getting it, the offense, I mean, they're, they're, they're making sure that it stays competitive because they've, they've got enough juice to go over the top. They're running, you know, crisp routes, um, good concepts. So it's making our guys think. It's making them work. Uh, and it's only going to make us better come fall. And safeties, I uh, assume that's about as uh, as experienced a group as you have, right? I, I would assume those guys are uh, taking care of business. It is, you know, and that's that's one of those groups which is going to be great for us to be strong, you know, from a leadership, understanding, production standpoint. You know, to have guys like Yusuf and Ty uh, back, and a guy like D. Rob that's been around, and then. You know, Taj Dotson and Jalen Geiger. I mean, those guys have, you know, obviously the first three have played significant snaps. You know, and then really excited about Taj and Jalen and, you know, their increased role on this defense because, you know, when that time comes, it's going to be theirs. And uh, you can see them playing with more confidence. It's not, hey, wait for somebody else to make a call or make a check. No, they're making it. You know, when you have to go, you know, all the way from the start of September to the start of December, you're going to need bodies and experienced bodies. And so, again, with when you go down the middle of our defense or inside backers or safeties, they have to be communicators. They have to have great understanding and awareness. Um, and so I'm pleased with, you know, where we're at right now. Uh, plenty of improvement left um, and looking forward to, you know, as we start getting into, you know, more into a little bit less base defense and a little bit more, um, you know, of that, that secondary type game planning and patterns and, and, and defenses that we don't run quite as often, but we, we need to get better at uh, because when we do run them, we need to be able to execute. Coach, I appreciate the time. I know you get uh, to meetings and such, so uh, we will uh, check back in a little later this summer after this wraps up. But thanks for the update. Thanks, Tom. Let me take a second to tell you about Clark's Pump and Shop. They have 67 locations throughout the bluegrass that allow you to return, refresh, and refuel every day. They follow CDC guidelines for COVID-19. Most of them have a drive through window to make it handier for you. If you like fresh brewed sweet tea, they make theirs with pure cane sugar. You get 32 ounces for just 99 cents every day. Fried chicken or 12 Cajun tenders, just $13.99. 
And at their Crispy Crunchy locations, you can get a blueberry biscuit for just 69 cents right now. Make it part of your routine. Every day, just stop in Clark's Pump and Shop for a little pick-me-up. Soft drink, coffee, a bite to eat. Return, refresh, refuel at Clark's Pump and Shop. We'll be right back on the Leach Report Radio Network. Back to the Kentucky HempWorks.com hotline to bring on Larry Vaught. You read him at Vaughtsviews.com and YourSportsEdge.com. Uh, Larry, let's start with the uh, passing of Howard Schnellenberger, uh, a legendary uh, figure in, in football circles, not just obviously here in Kentucky, but nationwide. And um, what uh, what's your uh, eulogy on Howard Schnellenberger? Oh, what a terrific guy and a terrific coach. Um, very innovative, I think, ahead of his times. Was loved the challenge of trying to rebuild or restart programs. I don't even know what you would, which is the best word to use right there. Instrumental in getting the Kentucky Louisville football series started, but probably more than anything, I'll always rem- I think I remember how much he wanted a chance to be head coach at Kentucky and just never had the opportunity. But something that he always wanted. An opportunity to do it just never quite worked out. But a guy that just absolutely loved football and talking about football and didn't care who or when he wanted to talk football. Usually, Howard Schnellenberger was going to be available. First time he uh, had a shot at the job, I guess, was uh, when uh, Coach Kersey was uh, let go, and they ultimately hired Jerry Claiborne, right? Right, and, and again, certainly was an understandable hire with J- Jerry Claiborne, and I think all. Kentucky approved of that, but when you just look back and think, maybe what if they had Howard had hired Howard Schnellenberger then? Would things have been different? I, I don't know. But I just know that was always his dream job after playing at UK, being an All-American at UK, and certainly a job that he wanted and talked about a lot, but still, he didn't get it, but yet any time you ever had a chance to talk to him, I'd never heard him say anything bad about the University of Kentucky. Anyway, then, I mean, he still had a lot of love for the University of Kentucky. Absolutely. And uh, also, uh, one thing I didn't mention in the top of the show when I was ticking off his resume is that he was the offensive coordinator for Don Shula and the only unbeaten team in NFL history. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator. Uh, Bill Arnsparger was a defensive coordinator. A couple of uh, guys from Kentucky high schools um, uh, that uh, got it done at the highest level. Qu- quick break. More on that and, and uh, other subjects when we come back with Larry Vaughn. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. From the Clark's Puppet Shop studio, we roll into the second half of our Monday edition of the Leach Report. Chatting with Larry Vaught from Vaughtsviews.com. Um, we were talking about uh, Howard Schnellenberger and um, you know, the uh, uh, legacy uh, that he leaves behind of what he did with football programs. Uh, you know, uh, UofL. Uh, and Miami were both programs that people – I know at the time that he got there, people were talking at both places about they might drop football, and he brought them uh, both back. Yeah, absolutely, and brought them both back in a big way. And Miami, of course, won a national championship. Uh, Florida, or Florida uh, Louisville had the 10-1 – I think it was 10-1 or 11-1 season where they beat Alabama in the bowl game. And yep. Yeah, he, he, he could sure uh, work his magic in a lot of different – 
ways and was really enjoyed his, his final job there to Florida Atlantic, trying to build that program to the status to where it, it, it could elevate itself. And he enjoyed that work immensely. Again, he just liked coaching football. And usually wherever he coached, whether it was college, pros, whatever, had a pretty good winning success by the time that he he was gone from there. So just a magnificent guy. And, uh, a lot of times I had a chance to, to be around him. I always treated everybody so graciously and, I mean, loved interacting with, with fans. And I think the big, big majority of guys that played for him really, really appreciated what he did for him. Let's shift gears to uh, Kentucky basketball and uh, saw where um, Mason Faulkner, uh, former Caverna High School player, averaged 17 a game last season at Western Carolina. I think David Sisk over at Cats Illustrated was the first one to mention Kentucky. Uh, there's been some contact there. Uh, the thing I said last week is any of these uh, guys that you know Kentucky might fit into what Kentucky needs, there's going to be a lot of guys they may make contact with. It's uh, how seriously do they pursue. Do you know anything about uh, Mason Faulkner and what the interest level would be either way? I think the interest level would be pretty high on his end. I think it's a little bit like you and I talked last week. If you look right now and just look at the speculation, I think Kentucky's going to have a roster of 112 guys next year. Right. Because <laughs> it, it seems like every guy that transfers, one of the first names that comes out of there, well, could be a good fit for Kentucky. He would have some interest in Kentucky, or Kentucky's got some interest in him. And it doesn't seem to matter what position, what school. So I, I don't know what what to make of all of it. I guess that's what John Calipari's trying to do right now. And again, that's why he said he hired Jay Lucas before the season started was to help figure all this transfer stuff out. And I mean, I know it sounds like it ought to be easy. Well, here's this guy. Let's just go get him. But what if you get him the next week? Somebody that would have been even better picks. But if you don't go get him. And somebody doesn't, and you lose him. So, I mean, I'm sure it's probably a lot, lot tougher than what recruiting high school guys is, because at least the high school guys, you know when they can sign with these guys. I mean, they can just basically make their mind up any day. And then when the NCAA, every time a team gets beat, you think, well, maybe somebody from that team's now going to be in the portal. So a lot of interesting times in the next few weeks, I think. And I think certainly, I think one-and-done fatigue is going to be replaced by transfer fatigue. Do you think it'll be worse? I think it is. I think there's going to be so many more guys in, in, involved, uh, at least for the first couple of years. And maybe it'll settle down after that for these first couple of years. And as coaches, not just John Calipari, but others, try to decide how much do we want to just turn our roster over with transfers that we see what they can do and know what they can do, as opposed to taking a high school guy who were – thinking he can do this but we don't really know so it's going to be a, a, a i guess a very fun process for basketball and i don't think it'll impact football near as much but i think basketball is going to make a huge difference and change the way we look at the game look at uh, johnny juzang uh, just as an example cbs did a, a nice uh, feature on him in advance of the uh, game with alabama last night and there was a lot of stuff about you know uh with the covid situation and uh, he wanted to get back to home and how much he enjoyed being around his family and i've no doubt all of that's that's true and that that played uh, would be logical to think that 
with COVID factored into his decision. But there's also a soundbite from his dad in there that he talked about, well, he was kind of just utilized as a catch-and-shoot guy. We kind of thought there was more to his game. So you get a little insight that, that, you know, that there was some, you know, maybe another factor. And I think that's the, the thing is coaches, are it's going to be so challenging to manage because you just look at Johnny. He wasn't a point guard, so Ashton Higgins is you – don't, you don't talk about that – uh, that you know, taking that position, so he's behind Maxi and quickly. How many minutes were you going to get? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, and <laughs> and think about this: how many minutes do you think he would have got if he'd have been in UK this year? Yeah, a whole lot more. Wanted. I mean, he might have been quick. He could have been Emmanuel quickly in year two. Yeah, he would have got all he wanted. But again, that's just how things are going to change. It's not going to be just a Kentucky. It's going to be everywhere that that it's like that. It doesn't matter. What the reason is, you may be set behind somebody or or whatever. If you if you see a better opportunity, you're going to be able to take it yeah. and go just like that. So it's it's going to certainly change things around and make for some interesting times. That's why I say I wouldn't. I don't know how you could even speculate right now what the Kentucky roster is going to look like next year. Uh, we'll get we'll close you out, uh, Larry, on this uh, p- potential for another title town uh, with Alyssa Ray on American Idol. She made the top twenty four last night, right? Yeah, no, no, no surprise to me that she that she did that. She's just dynamic, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she's going to do as they continue to go forward. I was a little sad that my buddy Alex Miller from over at uh, Garrett County didn't make the cut, but he got a pretty pretty nice uh, consolation prize when Luke Bryan set him up with uh, an appearance at the Grand Ole Opry and is going to actually sing with uh, Good for him. Luke when they're there. So that's a, that's a pretty nice way to go out if you can't go all the way. Indeed. Uh, good for good for both of them. Um, and good luck to Alyssa as she moves forward. Larry, thank you. As always, we'll uh, chat next Tuesday. All right. Thanks, Tom. As Larry Vaught, you can read him at vaughtsviews.com. Same on Twitter, at vaughtsviews. When we come back, we will hear from Jamin Davis about uh, moving on to the NFL. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. And we're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Jamin Davis, star linebacker for the Kentucky Wildcats, who is now preparing for the NFL draft with a lot of positive buzz. Uh, And he's got a big autograph signing coming up later this week we're going to tell you about. But Jamin... First, thank you for uh, doing this with us, and uh, tell me uh, what you're feeling right now as you hear all this buzz about your stock rising in the NFL draft. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me. Honestly, with everything that's going on around me, I'm honestly trying to stay completely grounded and just making sure I do the best I can at Pro Day and just hoping that somebody eventually will pick me up. Now, Pro Day is coming up on uh, Wednesday at UK, right? Right. What are your goals or what do you think you need to do uh, in, on that day? Honestly, stay the same person I've always been. Um, just really go out there and put on the show for everybody and just show my athleticism off and honestly just put up the best times I possibly can. Do you talk to NFL teams as this process is going on, or is that something an agent is handling for you right now? Uh, I, I definitely talk to different teams uh, weekly. At this point, I feel like I spoke to all 32. Well, that's great that there's so much uh, interest. Is there any common theme to, to what they're saying to you, or they all just kind of kind of checking you out, for lack of a better term? Uh, def- definitely just uh, getting a chance to know who I am as a person on and off the field and uh, just really talking about scheme things and just different things defensively when I was at UK. 
And, um, yeah, really just really getting a chance to know me. What about uh, Coach Stoops? Has he given you any advice as you go through this process or any of your other coaches? Uh, definitely they speak to me here and there, just basically keeping me grounded and just letting me know the feedback that they're receiving here and there as well. So, I mean, it's always beneficial to be able to reach back out to your coaches. How difficult was the decision for you to uh, make this move to commit to the draft? Uh, because, obviously, it, it looks like it was the right one with uh, all the buzz that's out there. Uh, definitely. Honestly, it was really one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life this far. So, um, I honestly didn't know if I was going to come back or stay or, or, you know what I mean? Like, it was just a lot of different emotions going through my mind, and I just didn't want to make the wrong decision. And um, I just, honestly, I just went for it after I sat down and talked it over with my family and just made a real big bet on myself. When you look back on your time at, at Kentucky, uh, you were you were at a position. You know, it was a deep position. I uh, remember you had a, a great game in the spring game two or three years ago. But it was just you know, hard to break in on that that depth chart with uh, the the people at that position. And then you got your chance this year to get fully on the stage and, and really took advantage of it. What was it that that kept you focused and moving forward during your time here at Kentucky? Um, honestly, just realizing that I was in a room with a talented group and just had um, really good coaches that was just preparing everybody so i mean it, it was never anything that was just going down play my spheres or anything regardless i was always going to get a chance to step out on Kroger field even if it was just special teams or whatever to put on the show for big blue nation so i mean it was never anything that was just discouraging for me i just knew i had to stay patient and when i got my opportunity i was definitely going to make the most of it so we're talking with J- jamin davis and he's got an autograph signing coming up this friday night at Kentucky Road Show over on Romney Road here in Lexington. And uh, you can go to KentuckyRoadShowShop.com and get details on the tickets and uh, what's involved with uh, what you can get signed, etc. But that's uh, this Friday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And I mention Eastern because who knows how far the Wildcat fans might drive in from other time zones. So it had to be you know frustrating for you guys not to get to play in front of the fans uh, this past season. Um Tell me what that was like and, and what the Kentucky fan base has meant to you. Oh, uh, man, it, it definitely was real um, heartbreaking that we couldn't have a full stadium, like full capacity with everybody there and whatnot. But over the time that I've been here, Kentucky, like as a whole, the fans, like the people around me here, just it just always was open arms and love from any and everybody I came across on and off the field, even if I caught a guy. <laughs> just randomly coming up to me at Walmart and just sit talking to me about like everything that's going on and as far as football and just my career. Um, it was always just like a big fan base that was almost a family atmosphere at, at um, decent times. So, I mean, I always had love here. So, Have you sought out any former players for advice on this process you're going through now? Oh, uh, yes, sir. Um, honestly, before I even made my um, final decision, I had spoke with Josh Allen a few times. Um, Mike Edwards, right before the Super Bowl, ironically. I spoke with Lonnie, just a bunch of different guys that I had played with before. What did they tell you? Was there any common theme to their advice? Yeah, especially Josh. I mean, guys like Josh were basically telling me, like, his situation was extremely similar. And, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to make a decision that's best for you and your family. So that was, all, that was almost a common theme amongst all of them. You obviously had great numbers. And also, uh, it seemed like just a, a tremendous uh, instinct for the football. Uh, obviously, the play remember people remember both both most is the one down at Tennessee and the the long uh, pick six down in Knoxville in that big win. But you had other interceptions and always seemed to kind of have a nose for the football as well as the the running back. How did that come about for you? Is that just always something that came natural? For the most part, but I mean, 
if you want to be a great player, you can't just blame everything on just pure talent. It always comes in with with preparation and everything from Coach Stoops, Coach White, some uh, even Coach House when he was here. So I mean, um, it just you, you, the way you prepare for games, the way you prepare for everything, and taking it a hundred percent on the practice field throughout spring and everything, and I guess everything just eventually paid off. And I mean, of course, you got to give credit to guys like Cash and guys who I played with in the past that just. Um, taught me the ropes as well, and I guess eventually I just got my chance to shine. Looks like that Coach Stoops and, and his staff are building something special here with Kentucky's football program that hasn't been seen around uh, these parts uh, before. So what does it feel like to those of you that kind of bought in early to see it paying off now as you get set to move on to your next phase of your career? Honestly, I, it, this whole process, um, my career here at UK, it was everything I expected it to be, honestly. Um from the very beginning, I seen that um, Coach Stoops and like all the coaches here were building something really special. Um, and just honestly, I just bought into it completely. And I honestly would would urge anybody that's getting recruited um, to jump on board as well, because at this point, it shouldn't even be the question of why Kentucky. It should be why not Kentucky. What about a favorite uh, memory or two from your time playing for the Wildcats? One, I think one off top. I probably always will remember would be going down to Florida um, and beating them <laughs> because, uh, of course, the, the 31 years and all that, it was just like enough is enough. I, I remember everything down to the practices leading up to the game and, of course, the locker room speeches and everything. It was just it was just amazing, honestly. And, and of course, that was just also a time where Coach Larman was there and you wouldn't even know that there was anything going on with him because, like, he was a true warrior in my eyes. He was one of the first coaches I even met here. Um, throughout recruiting and it was just amazing to see just his, him always remaining in great spirits no matter what was going on around him and, and it was just a real memorable moment seems like there's a, a really strong culture that's uh, being built there with Kentucky football with just the the family uh, feeling I'm assuming you you certainly felt that and um, you know not just whether it's you know in in a player's own position group I mean it's just throughout the whole team uh, tell us a little bit about how that's uh, how you've seen that grow Oh man! Uh, from the from my very first day stepping on campus till now, um, it, it just it was growing stronger and stronger the entire time. Honestly, um, just being able to relate to guys and just knowing that we got a, a great brotherhood inside the locker room. We never worried about what anybody was saying about us with fans or, or critics or any any negativity or outside forces that didn't really matter to us. We always stayed together. We always stayed positive. Um, and honestly, I, I personally see it continuing to stay that way and actually growing stronger, if anything. So, um, yeah, I, I would, like I said, I would definitely recommend it to anybody that's like going throughout the process of recruiting anything. Because, like I said, I mean, why not Kentucky? So, when you were growing up playing football, did you because you're, you're pretty close to to being out there in a NFL game now? It'll uh, happen this fall. Uh, growing up. Tell me about you know what your dreams were. If there were players you you know had favorite players or anything like that. Definitely, growing up, uh, I was a diehard Ladanian Tomlinson fan. <laughs> so um, I, I always thought I was going to be just this big time running back one day, a guy that was on the offensive side of the ball, and then <laughs> next thing I know, I'm hitting people and making interceptions and stuff like that. And I just fell in love with the linebacker position, and I guess my just love for the game just grew over the years and. I knew that I wasn't going to let anybody stop me from getting to the highest level of play, and that was just always a dream of mine. And um, I just everything just unfolding right before my eyes. You know? Well, it's uh, exciting for everybody here. Um, I think Kentucky fans certainly loved 
watching you uh, play and, and just the spirit that you showed out there. Uh, so we appreciate you giving us some time. And again, uh, we'll uh, we finish up the interview here. I'll, I'll plug the uh, autograph signing again because I know a lot of fans will want to come out. Wish you well, and uh, we certainly do that for the upcoming draft. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Very classy young man there. That's Jamin Davis. And let me give you the details again on the autograph signing. It's this Friday night, 6 to 8 Eastern, at Kentucky Roadshow. That's 369 Romney Road here in Lexington. You can go to KentuckyRoadshowShop.com and get details on uh, tickets and what all's involved. And folks, from everything that is being reported by those who cover the NFL draft, you're going to get the autograph of an upcoming NFL first-round draft pick. Selfishly, I'm hoping for my Chicago Bears. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We'll be right back. This day in Wildcat history, presented by the new Rave On app, 1975, Kentucky beat Syracuse in the Final Four to punch its ticket to the national championship game. They were playing in San Diego that year. Uh, Goose Gibbons, as a freshman, uh, was the leading scorer in that game. I think had 24 for the Cats. And there was just a a little bit of, I think, a a hangover uh, emotionally from the upset of Indiana the weekend before. But Kentucky was back on its game for Monday night and unfortunately ran into a UCLA team that had the extra motivation of uh, John Wooding. John Wooden having announced that that was going to be his final game. Uh, happy birthdays. Sean Woods, point guard on the Unforgettables, uh, celebrates a birthday today. Now coaching, I think, down at Southern. And then uh, former Kentucky football coach Hal Mummy celebrating a birthday today as well. Boys Sweet 16 field is set. I think the girls as well. The boys uh, tournament tips off this week on Wednesday morning at Rupp Arena. They're going to play... Uh, not doubleheader sessions, as is typically the case, but because of COVID, they're going to play a game, uh, then clean the arena, and then play another game. So the games will be at 11, 2, 5, and 8 Eastern time. Uh, I am actually, uh, since uh, the uh, Cats weren't involved in the NCAA tournament this year, signed on to work on the KHSAA's network uh, with Greg Stottlemyre and uh, Coach Stan Harden and Cameron Mills. So we'll be there for the call. Uh, I'll tweet out uh, the list of... Uh, stations where you can find us we're on uh i know one of the iheart stations here in lexington but uh my first game is uh, not central in e-town on wednesday morning at 11 a.m to get it started so looking forward to that first time i've had a chance to work the sweet 16 in a long long time and uh, looks like a uh, really well-matched field most of the uh, regions uh, one of the top couple of teams in the preseason polls ended up making it to the tournament so we'll talk more about that tomorrow with jason frakes from the courier and more here on the leach report have a good day podcast page at tomleachky.com whenever you miss a show and be sure to follow the leach report facebook page if you have a question for tom email it to leachreport at gmail.com see you next time right here on 